I hope you guys are having a great Christmas season. It's, it's, uh, it certainly was a little bit magical last night when we went out to look at Christmas lights and it started snowing. Wow. And we promised our kids, we're going to get you hot dogs at Stewart's <laughs> for dinner. And that's, of course, really exciting, too. So we went to Stewart's and there was only two hot dogs on the rollers. It was a really tough night. But you know what? There's a Stewart's every five inches in this area. So we kept driving. Got to another Stewart's, excited about the, the hot dogs that would certainly be rolling. And there was only two hot dogs at that Stewart's. <laughs> Needless to say, Christmas was ruined. So I hope your Christmas has been going well, better, maybe better than ours. Maybe you have some traditions uh, that you're excited about. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be getting up early. You know, we have, a, we have a 7 o'clock threshold that we can start getting up and looking at presents. The kids have to kind of, they, they say they wake up at 4 o'clock and start watching Christmas movies, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. So we'll see, but I hope your Christmas is going well. Um, I just love the, this, this night, um, much like on Holy Week and Easter, where you're anticipating this amazing act of redemptive grace that God does in the world. Of course, at Easter, the death of the one that we are celebrating his birth tonight and the resurrection but tonight, the incarnation, you know, the word became flesh that God put on human skin and tabernacled among us, made his dwelling among men and women. Uh, and he, he was touched. He was um, talked to, spoken to, joked around with, eaten with. He, he was a person, uh, God in the flesh, showing us who God is uh, with, with skin on in a way that we can understand. Now, many people wonder, you know, what, what is God like? You know, what is he really like? And that question is in the heart of sincere Christians and non-Christians alike. You know, we've all heard bits and pieces about God, some more than others. Many people have read parts of the Bible. But we still have this inner longing to know just who is this God? How might he receive us if we were to be in his presence all of a sudden? What is God like? If I were to seek, to, to seek after God, you know, how would he receive me? What would the reception be like? I know people who somewhat jokingly say that they would never enter a church because they believe that they would be vaporized the minute their shadow crossed the threshold. Um, the deep, deep question at the center is, you know, what is God like? And if I were to seek God, how would he receive me? If I were to stand in the presence of Almighty God, holy in pure light, you know, how would he respond? The events surrounding Jesus' birth give us the answer. The answer to the question of what God is like is that God is like someone who has tried everything possible to establish relationship with the people he created in his image. And then, after doing all that, he miraculously and mysteriously went one step further, doing the unthinkable, the unimaginable, actually becoming one of the people to show them who he is in a way that they could understand. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3 says it so well. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After Jesus had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now this, this Hebrews passage says 
that God has always been working to communicate with people, to establish a relationship with them throughout history. You know, in the past, before Christ was born, he spoke to our ancestors of old. You know, people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, maybe some of those names ring a bell. He spoke uh, through, through prophets. Um, he spoke to lots of very, very dysfunctional people that were sort of falling apart and, you know, stumbling along. He, 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 he reached out to those people. And God spoke through prophets. Some of those we talked about tonight. You know, people who were given a glimpse of what God was like and what God was saying to his people and then communicating that to, to the people. That was the ways God spoke in the past. But since the events of Christmas, something changed. And it changed permanently. In these days in which we are living, since the time of Christ, God is now speaking a word to us through his son, Jesus. In fact, Jesus is called the living word of God. And not only is, is Jesus God's final word to humanity, he's also God himself in the flesh. As we read in Hebrews, the, the image of the invisible God, the exact representation of who God is. The answer to the question of what, what is God like is that God is like Jesus. That's what God is like. Jesus is God. The answer to the question of how, how would God receive me if I were to come to him, if I were to seek after him, is that he would receive you exactly the same way Jesus received the people who surrounded him and sought to establish relationship with him during his earthly ministry. And I'll give you a hint about Jesus. No one was vaporized being in the presence of Jesus. Now, we, we think deep inside we need to be perfect personally to come to God, or at least somewhat cleaned up before we can come to church. But that is not the case. Since God spoke his final word to us through sending Jesus, God invites imperfect people, people like you and me, people like all of the prophets of old and the patriarchs who we think are so holy, but if you re actually read the Bible, you see, not the case, very dysfunctional, just like us. He invites imperfect people to come to the perfect God, Jesus Christ, to join hands with other very imperfect and flawed people that we call the church, who are then forgiven, cleansed, changed, and even their worst mistakes redeemed by Jesus Christ, the Savior. You know, God, it says in the word that God knows how we are formed. He understands. He remembers that we are but dust. We are just a breath. He knows that we are disordered many times, dysfunctional many times, just like our fathers and mothers before us were. And in all of this, Jesus receives us, loves us, saves us, redeems us, and then transforms us through that new and final word he spoke through Jesus Christ on Christmas Day. The mystery is described in this way by Jesus' closest friend, one of them, the disciple John. John 1.14 says of Jesus' birth, the word of God became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known to us. Jesus. 
God's word to humanity has been updated permanently through Jesus' coming. The Old Testament prophets and judges and patriarchs and lawgivers fall silent before something far better, far clearer. The new word, the final word from God, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. When I was a child, I used to watch reruns of the Mary Tyler Moore show with my grandparents. Ever watched that show before? It's a great show, great show. Amazingly, Lou Grant uh, outlived Mary Tyler Moore. Um, but in this show, you, you see just how much times have changed. It was in the 60s, 70s, and, and they, they work in a newsroom. You can hear the clickety-clack of the, of the, key, of the um, typewriters. No printers, you know. No way to cover mistakes when you're typing. Where have all those typewriters gone? Well, I heard that Tom Hanks has all of them, pretty much. It's a big collection. But the reason they are gone is because something superior has come to take their place. You know, my grandfather, who died last year, was, was a newspaper man in Albany. And I loved his office in the basement of my grandparents' house in Del Mar, where he had one of those really early word processor computers, black screen, um, green type on it, and then a dot matrix printer. You can remember that sound of the printer. When computers, when computers came into, into the scene, that was the end of typewriters, except for collectors and artsy people who prefer them. The computer is superior in every way, because you can backspace, you can cut and paste. College students love that. You can correct documents without wasting paper and time. You know, most of us here arrived to the service in cars, I imagine. There's not many horses or donkeys or camels in the parking lot, because cars have proven a superior form of travel in terms of efficiency, time, and comfort. You know, in the past, God spoke to our very dysfunctional ancestors in various ways. He spoke to his people through specially appointed prophets and judges in other ways too numerous to mention in this sermon. But since Christmas, everything has changed. God has now spoken to us through his son, who is the exact representation of who God is in the flesh. A miracle. Very mysterious. Some people would say impossible. But not only is it possible, it's a historical reality. And in these days, since Jesus Christ has come, God has spoken to us through the Son, who he has entrusted with all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth. He is the final update of the word and flesh, the full revelation of God. Jesus is the answer to the question, what is God like? And how would he receive me if I came to him? One of my favorite authors is A.W. Tozer. He says this, If Jesus were to come walking down this aisle, there would be no stampede for the door. Nobody would, nobody would scream or be frightened. We might begin to weep for sheer joy and delight that he had so honored us. But nobody would be afraid of Jesus. No mother with a little crying baby would ever have to be afraid of Jesus. No poor sinner condemned by society being dragged by their hair of their head had to be afraid of Jesus. Nobody. Nobody ever had to be afraid of Jesus because he is the epitome of love, kindliness, geniality, warm attractiveness, and sweetness. And that is exactly who the Holy Spirit is. For he is the spirit of the Father and the spirit of Jesus. Now, Jesus is the new and better word, the final word to us. As superior to the angels, the patriarchs, the prophets, and all began before, as a car is to a horse, only more so. Zero emissions. 
And the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem on Christmas Day gives us just a glimpse, just a taste of what this word to us might be like. That is the essence of Christmas. The mystery made known, the word of God in the flesh, God's final and superior word to humanity. Loving, gentle, lowly, compassionate, God in the flesh, who looked people in the eyes, who confronted them in their brokenness, who called them to turn and follow him, and warmly received everyone who did so. So let's read this old story again. Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus and all, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time gave for her, came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that they had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. As we, as we begin to close our time together, with tonight's final song, we're going to light these candles, symbolizing God's final word to us, Jesus, the light of the world coming into the world. Uh, the light that shines on all, all who will open themselves up to him. So at the last song, as the worship team comes forward, I'm going to light my candle. I'm going to pass the flame around the sanctuary. And I encourage you, as we do this very simple ritual, this very simple, beautiful symbol, to, to think of this as a prayer. And as we sing, breathe in and breathe out. Receive anew the final word of God for you, Jesus Christ. An invitation full of grace and truth going all the way to the cross to establish a relationship with you. It's a word of mercy and salvation, not judgment and condemnation, 
Because Jesus' mission was not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And Jesus came for all of us dysfunctional sinners who are messed up, imperfect. He reaches out to us with his beautiful, perfect hand and offers a cleansing from our sin and a relationship and a fullness of life, an abundant life that we've never known before. Come to Jesus like those shepherds. You know, shepherds were reviled in their day. They were considered unclean. They were not invited to parties. Unacceptable in polite society, thought to be sinners. Humble people. Hold this thought in your mind as we sing. God came to shepherds first. God came to the poor and the rejected first. God came to the outsiders, to the sinners, to the misfits first. God came to the humble womb of an unmarried, though godly, teenager and her fiancé. Her head spinning with rumors, with people judging her over this pregnancy, gossiping about her. God came into a crowded town with no rooms, much like next year's track season in Saratoga. He was born somewhat anonymously in a stable for animals carved out of the side of a hill. He was placed in a manger, which is the equivalent of a feeding trough. Surrounded by animals, all of the things that come out of animals, wrapped in simple swaddling cloth, the sign for the shepherds, the bandage material they carried with them to bind up the wounds of their sheep. That was a symbol for them. He came for you. God came in humility. He came for the humble to see. So receive him anew today, or maybe for the first time. And keep on seeking him as he pursues your soul in the new year. The verse, third verse of A Little Town of Bethlehem, we're going to be singing it uh, now. It says, How silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, receive him still, the dear Christ enters in.